Hello and welcome to The Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Penninger and coming to you from the final stage of the Jayco Herald Sun Tour and what a humdinger of a tour it was. I thoroughly enjoyed it um, and now that the races have been run and won, let's just dive in really quickly to the results and of course it was a clean sweep of the podium for Mitchelton Scott with Esteban Chavez, their Colombian kangaroo on top of the podium, hopping up there. Um, Cameron Meyer was 26 seconds down and Halson was 39 seconds um, down on Chavez. Uh, it was an expected domination, I think, by Mitchell and Scott, but I don't think everyone anticipated quite the scale of the domination that it would prove to be. Um, of course, the climb of Lake Mountain proved to be the decisive point in the race, and they did manage to... Um, sidestep um, losing too much time on that first windy stage and kept their climbers in contention for that and then on the second stage there was of course the non-neutralisation or the what the neutralisation of that um, sector which wasn't indeed raced um, very hard on that dirty gravelly sandy section whatever you want to call it I, th- I found it interesting uh, at the time it was it looked it looked okay to race on, to be honest, standing on the side of the road. Um, it looked okay, and the guys going through at the front of the peloton were fine. They were going over it, or through it, rather, and it was more when you slowed down that you saw those fishtails more often. You saw riders having a bit of trouble out the back of the peloton. So, yeah, that, that was... I don't, I, don't, I don't... I'm not entirely certain where I stand on that. I think partially, partially I believe that... It wasn't in the race handbook beforehand. Um, riders weren't riders and teams weren't able to recce the uh, recce the area and prepare for it, and you know let the mechanics know to set their bikes up differently or anything like that if that was a factor. So from that from that standpoint, it was it was okay. Um, but at the same time, you know it's a it's a bike race. You should be able to deal with um, problems that are thrown up your end. And I don't think these were conditions which were really affecting safety. But I know plenty of the peloton out there um, had a differing opinion. And uh, Pete Livingston, who's a guy's opinion who I respect, um, said that it was the right call to co- call it off. Um, that the yeah the sand sections were a bit too soft there, and. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an opinion I respect, and a number of other riders that I spoke to after the race were echoing that opinion. Um, the only one uh, who really wasn't were the Roompot riders and the and Lassa Norman Hansen, who was in the yellow jersey. So, of course, all the press had to talk to Lassa after the stage because he was still in yellow, and, of course, he voiced his um, quite vehement disagreement with the commissaire's decision there to not continue the race. Apart from that, uh, we saw plenty of young riders really put their mark on the race. I think that's amazing. It's a testament to the sort of talent that we've got coming out of Australia at the moment. Not just sprinters, time trials like Australia has been known for in the past, but amazing climbers who are you know able to match it with some of the best in the world on longer sense. Um, Obviously, Stealing the headlines from everyone else was Alex Evans, a winner of the Poetina stage in the Tour of Tasmania for long-term listeners of the podcast or just keen cycling fans um, in Australia. Um, Mobius Bridge Lane set him up amazingly for that one, leading out um, 
in almost a Team Sky fashion into the bottom of that climb there on stage three, the Lake Mountain climb, sending him up the hardest portion of the climb. And um, as Tom Petty said afterwards, um, if only they hadn't, hadn't invited Esteban Chavez and we'd be thinking about, you know, Alex Evans going um, and winning on top of a mountain and, you know, an NRS team being the one to top all the other World Tour teams. So, yeah, I mean, that is quite something to think. And a testament to the Mobius Bridge Lane program that Tom Petty runs there. Um, they've taken taken many steps up, leaps and bounds um, over the course um, of the last few seasons and now to the point where they're, you know, uh, running second in 2.1s. Because we are, of course, uh, a primarily locally Australian-based podcast, I'll be talking mostly about the Australian teams, and I'll go, I'll, just, I'll just run through a few of the um, uh, NRS, you know, slash Conti teams that um, did really well in this tour, and just you know, talk about what they did. Um, obviously, we had five NRS Conti riders in the top ten, um, starting off with Dylan Sunderland, who came fifth and won the Young Riders classification. Chris Harper. And Sam Crome, all of those guys have been along Swiss Wellness, of course. Um, Alex Evans from Mobius um, finished up eighth. And Freddie Ovet, the new signing to the Australian Cycling Academy slash Sunshine Coast. Um, they're going to have to change that name. That is far too many words to say out loud at once. And... Yeah, I mean, he, he jumped in with two feet and, you know, looked right at home immediately in in that level of competition. So I think he's going to be amazing this year in, on the NRS scene. Apart from that, um, well, we talked briefly about Mobius Bridgeline, so we'll just say, yeah, I mean, superb. Getting getting a guy like Alex Evans up, up there um, next to a guy like uh, Esteban Chavez and Ruben Guerrero. I mean, those two are World Tour riders and... Evans was sandwiched in between them on top of that um, podium. Um, they also put up a really good fight for the KOM jersey. Brad Evans um, was a bit of a breakaway warrior in the in the start of in the first few stages of the race and took that KOM jersey a fair and square. Um, but in that final stage where there were 60 points on the line, um, he just he faded a bit at the start when the pace was really on hard. Uh, Angus Lyons did a superb job to tow him through to the front group and um, put him in a good spot. He looked like he was going to be able to defend his jersey from there. He was up there in the next KOM and gave it a shot, but obviously he'd used too many bickies throughout the race and just wasn't able to stick it out for the final few laps, which was you know, a pity, but sometimes the way it goes. Another team uh, we're talking about, Brisbane Continental team. Um, new Continental team, uh, as are many of the riders, well, many of the teams on this list. Uh, Ryan Thomas was their best result with seventh on stage two. And, yeah, I think Callum White and uh, Michael Vink, they they uh, climbed pretty well throughout. Um, I think, you know, we saw plenty of them to, sh- plenty, well, enough of them to show that There'll be a force um, in the coming season, especially when they get um, Jordan Kirby back and uh, riding a bit more regularly on the road. Um, obviously, he has his track commitments at the world with at at the moment with track nationals on. Next to Quartermenth uh, national team, they didn't really do amazing results. If you had to, actually had to look at it on the sheet, but I think we've seen the emergence of two superb climbers there in James Willie 
Whelan, sorry, James Whelan and Lionel Mordet. Um, I featured them both in an article on SBS. Go check that out. I encourage you, um, along with Alexander Evans, just talking about the young talent that we had um, coming through on Lake Mountain there. And Whelan is a bit of a freak. <laughs> I think that's the general consensus of people uh, everywhere. And Lionel Mordet, he's a bit more cerebral, a bit more um, practised and a bit more of a... Of not not a finished product. I mean, he's still developing, obviously, but he's yeah a bit more of a class. He's got a bit more class about him at the moment, and yeah, I think he's he's a very interesting writer. He also speaks quite well, obviously, as you would have heard um, last last week on the podcast. So um, I think as as journalists, we probably overvalue that ability, but for, take that for what it is. Yeah. So Will and Mordet proved they're serious climbers, and yeah, I think that was pretty much the the best outcome from the Cordamenta team. Moving on to Drapak EF. They started out with some awful luck, obviously, um, with both Jesse Fiedenby and Tom Kaisler going down in that crash on stage one. And, yeah, we didn't see too much from either Jesse Jesse or Tom after that. I mean, I know Jesse in particular was really, really aiming for this race and hoping to do quite well. And that crash seemed to cruel the efforts... Um, cool the efforts that he'd been putting in and probably prevented him from running quite high on GC or maybe maybe even taking a really good stage result. So that was a pity. But despite that, they, they picked it up, especially with Cyrus Monk. Um, their best finish was fifth in stage two, where Monk, actually, yeah, he pulled off a pretty good sprint there um, behind uh, Steele von Hoff and Mads Pedersen, who took the win there. He was also agonisingly close to winning stage four. I mean, it... I, I had thought before that stage that it was very likely to be a breakaway um, taking the win. Um, it didn't pan out that way. It was just it was just too too hot a pace from the start. The breakaway was never allowed to just ride off, and there were always you know dangerous sort of riders in there in terms of GC. So uh, Mitchell and Scott weren't too keen to let it go away, and yeah, and then because they weren't too keen to let it go away, that gave the opportunity for some of the other high riders up on GC, like um, James Whelan and Dylan Sunderland, to try and jump cl- jump across and have a go. So that compounded the problem where Mitchell and Scott really didn't want to let it go then. So anyway, you, you'll you hear an interview from Cyrus Monk where he explains that, that problem of his. And yeah, it was just disappointing because he would have he won that stage if it had been, if the breaker had been allowed to go. Yeah, so that was Drapak's tour. Um, I think we've seen good signs for them. Hopefully they get some more race days this year. Uh, it'd be great to see, you know, the likes of um, Liam McGuinness, um, Jesse Fiedenby, Cyrus Monk, all, Liam White all have a really good go at um, getting a lot of races in their legs this year. ACA, Sunshine Coast, yeah, they rode so- solidly. Um, I think they'll be particularly happy with Freddie Ovet, obviously. Top 10 on GC finish there. And, yeah, really looked like he deserves to be in this company more regularly and probably a higher level of racing as well. Just a solid ride from them, especially with a very young team there. Stu Shaw, obviously shepherding them around a fair bit, but, yeah, they didn't look out of place there at all. Oliver's, yeah, that was just a... I think that's probably one to forget for them. Um, There's a tweet up from Sam Lazell at the moment um, saying that they had eight flats, five crashes, three broken wheels, three broken bikes, and now they're done. So, yeah. 
I think that's pretty much sums up the the tour for poor old Oliver's. It started badly. Um, if you read my article on the day in the Oliver's team card, that was it. Just, oh, I mean, it just wasn't pleasant at any point. Um, it started off okay. Um, unfortunately, they missed the break, but from then on, it was just you know catastrophe after catastrophe, and need to limp home in the end, and you know save themselves the races in the future. Um, best place was ninth for Ryan Christensen on stage two. Again, not somebody you expect to see sprinting, but he did a decent job there and took out ninth, and he ended up twenty first on, on GC. Um, McDonald's are the final team on this list, um, and they surprised me. I was, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised by how they went. It wasn't exactly a results-driven tour, but sorry, they got Kane Richards in the break, and he did quite well. He was right up there in the points classification, and even having a go on some of those mountain sprints there. So he looks like one for the future. Um, I did get reports from the. Some of the other riders in the break there that he was sitting on a bit, so um, maybe bear that in mind if <laughs> if you're ever in a break with Kane. Um, A-Ray is back, and he's looking pretty good, um, but they probably do need a a leader, essentially. Um, I don't know whether that's a, a sprinter that they can rely on to deliver results, or a climber, or you know somebody in between um, to do more of a GC role for them. Uh, yeah, they just need a bit of a figurehead, I think, for that team. But apart from that, they're very solid. Well, I've talked for long enough at this point, but I will say that um, make sure that you check out our sponsor, Out of the Rat Race Cycling Apparel. Uh, they make great-fitting pro-level cycling kit made with coffee. It's eco-friendly, and for every garment purchased, there is there are sorry five trees planted um, to help reforestation projects around the world. So make sure you go check out www.com.au for some yeah really great cycling kit. Okay, um, I think we'll jump into an interview now just to save my voice. I don't know how Pat Shaw does it, blathering on for minutes and minutes on end. But we will jump into an interview uh, from stage four, actually, um, talking to the winner of the stage, Sam Crome. One stage of the Jaco Herald Sun Tour to ask the obvious question. That must feel pretty bloody good. Yeah, it, um, it feels amazing, to be honest. It's, um, it's something you don't expect to come in. You, you know, you, want, you come in wanting, wanting a good result, and... Um, it's been a hard week, and to top it off with a win, just um, just not for myself, but for the team, we've had a good week, so it just means means a lot. It's a bloody good, ce- bloody good celebration too, almost as good as the surge to the line. I mean, yeah. we really enjoyed it. it yeah, yeah, it's been, um, you know, it's been it's been a really tough time. I was um, late uh, late last year. That was one of my best mates, Jason Lowndes, that was killed in there. The accident by the car, so it really hit home with us all at Bendigo. So he he just would have loved that. So um, I know. So that one was for him today, and you know we all sort of went. You know the guys from Bendigo just came so close together during that time, and we went to nationals. Really, you know, really wanting a result for him. And I guess um, I guess that one today was just for him. He'd be he'd be stoked looking down at that one. That's for sure. Do you have time even? It's really hard in the hula blue of a race, but even after, immediately afterwards, do you think of him in a moment like that, or is the adrenaline pumping? Yeah, I guess like 
it just puts everything into perspective, yeah. you know. No matter how hard anything is, you know, you're here doing something you love, and um, and you know, he's not. So, no matter, you know, nothing, nothing really matters because you know you're out there, you know, doing something you love, and he loved it. So, you know, it just no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much hard it's been, you know, you just keep going and going and going because, you know, you've got your life, you've got, you know, your family, your friends, and, you know. And he's not here, so you know it's really it's really hard. So it just means a lot. Mm. So were you thinking about him in his final few K when it seemed like maybe the break was staying away, or maybe Guerrero was going as well? Yeah, um, to be honest, you know you don't really think about it in the time. Like you just um, you just kind of everything goes to a blur because you know you just know what you got to do. You want it, and you just get the job done. And um, you know I. I was originally going to follow Guerrero um, in the sprint because I know he's quite fast and um, and then luckily Cam launched early and I got on it. I had to really, really fight um, Guerrero for that position into the corner and I thought I'd left it a bit late when I tried to step out around Cam. I wasn't sure if I was going to get there but, you know, I uh, managed to and... Yeah, just loved it. It's a big <laughs> just, win, but do you think that's the best you've ever ridden in a finish, considering you've got World Tour guys in front of you? Yeah, you know, I think so. It's been, um, you know, I've had some good results over the probably the past two years now. So, um, but this one just tops it all. You know, it's it's one of the biggest races we do as a team, and um, and yeah, and that's, you know, it's it's probably going to take a while to sink in, but um, I'm pretty stoked. And the Aussie stage winner of the tour too. So yeah, right. Yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that that uh, means a lot as well. I think you know it just shows when, you know, the majority of the other guys have been World Tour or Pro Connie that win, and you know we're just you know the Aussie Continental team. But you know we don't we don't care who we race. We we just come to race. You know, if it's here, if it's the NRS, you know we just race to win all the time. And um, and yeah, and we got that. And you've taken wins in two Tasmania NRS in the past, but this time all of Australia is watching, and um, everyone in cycling is going to know that you are a stage winner at Herald Sun. How does that feel? Yeah, the the uh, the guys have been giving me a bit of flack because you know it's like that's the one to win because it's live on TV. So <laughs> they've um, you know, and I, and I suppose it's true, but you know, it, you know, just I'm just stoked with that one. It um, it all came together in the end, and. Um, you know, I just tight. I just waited and waited and waited, and just sort of backed myself in at the sprint finish because I knew, you know, it was um, it was Chris Harper really set that win up for me today uh, when he went on the climb. It sort of put uh, Mitchelton Scott in the position they had to ride some guys, um, and it just gave me a backseat ride, and I could just wait and wait and wait for my time, and um, and I just took it in the sprint, which um, it worked out perfect. Was that the plan going into the stage? Did it unfold how you expected it would? Nah, it just, um, it just kind of unfolded it. We wanted to, um, <coughs> you know, we, we sort of rolled a few guys with the early break. And I looked for that as well, but we didn't think we would give, because we had about three guys on GC, we didn't think they'd give us a free reign to go on the break. And it probably, probably didn't make sense to either. Um, you could have... You know, we wanted to really uh, just watch for the watch for the late moves and that. And um, we had Dylan up the road, and because uh, he was a protector in his young rider's jersey, so um, and he kept that in the end as well. We kept that, still kept the sprint jersey. So it's been a pretty successful week for the team. And um, you know, I just I think it just goes to show the the strength of this team, the guys we have. It's um, and that's basically it. You know, we just. Um, 
we've got um, you know a really strong team this year, and I think you know we're just going to continue to get these results. And uh, Benelong's renowned as being a, a factory for world tour riders. I mean, is that where you see yourself in the future, riding at a higher level? Yeah, you know, it's all, it's always been the goal, and I would love to. So, um, you know, I, I just try not to think about it too much. It's just basically, it's just basically, you know, you just come at, come to race. Like, um, you know, we we do have a team uh, calendar for the rest of the year, but you know, I'm sort of unsure as to what what I'm going to do. So. Um, but you know, so you just don't worry about it. You know, you just worry. This has been my. I did Nash, had a very good ride at nationals, and then I knew I was doing this, so I just stayed at home and I trained really hard between um, nationals and here, and it's just all paid off. And Dylan Sunderland called it one for the good guys after the race, um, and you're very well liked within the local peloton. Um, I don't know what the question is. You, you're a good guy, though. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Cheers, sir. Yeah. Thank you. And what a win it was for Chrome. I mean, I think he's got to be one of the most liked people in the peloton. Unfortunately, you may have heard there at, at the end my rather embarrassing um, <laughs> embarrassing moment, just uh, forgetting to how to be professional. And, yeah, poor old, poor old uh, Sam had to put up with me being an idiot. But um, it was, you know, a touching moment. And I think... I think everyone who's involved, who's been involved with Sam Chrome in the past, been involved with Australian cycling, knows exactly how well he's regarded. And will you'll forgive me that indulgence there. We'll move on to Cyrus Monk, uh, who was the other rider who you know probably sh- should have won the stage. Um, he also reveals um, an interesting backyard cricket injury that he received, <laughs> which is something he's going to have to deal with over the next few weeks. So, Cyrus, um, tough day out there, and you looked like a real good crack at the end there. Yeah, felt good all day. It was just frustrating that the GC riders were getting in the break, which really stuffs up the break's chances. Um, it just meant the break was never going to get much room from the peloton. Um, so it's quite frustrating that they were putting themselves in that break, which meant it was never going to stick, and it also ruined their chances because they were using way too much energy out there. Yeah, you used to say fairly conservative and in using your energy in that break so you could save it for later? Yeah, definitely. Well, I thought after last year, the way it panned out, that there was a good chance the break would stick, but unfortunately, James Whelan and Dylan Sunderland rode across in the middle section, and um, yeah, that basically doomed the breakaway. Um, tried to get away and have a crack at the end still, but... By that stage, the bunch was so close that I was deemed on the last climb, so I was never going to be able yeah, to stay away. Oh, so how optimistic were you at that point when you had that group before there? Um, uh, I knew we'd need about a minute at the bottom, and unfortunately, like we had Dylan Sunderland there still, which he in the Young Riders jersey and fourth on GC, I think, so I don't know how he was assuming that he was going to be able to stay away there. But, and there's, yeah. a, there's a bit of sprint tactics there, unless they gave you a bit of a headbutt at one point. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. I think it was just more balancing. I don't think there was any malice in it. Um, you, but, didn't, you didn't feel any impact? Really? No, nah, nah, it was more just to keep himself on the road, I think. No, it, there wasn't much cooperation, but there never is at that point in the race. Everyone's pretty cooked and wants to win for themselves. And how does this top off your summer for you? I mean, obviously there's been great points, there's been disappointments, um, but now to come so close to a potential stage victory. Yeah, it's, uh, it's frustrating. would be really nice to finish it off with a win, but... Um, I think it's rewarding to be able to show that I've 
got the legs. Um, and to be the last one left out of that break was good signs. Just unfortunately today the break wasn't what won the stage. So, um, yeah, it didn't, didn't work out with the result. But, yeah, I think it's good signs going forward. And what is, what's your next uh, block of racing going to be? Uh, I've got to sit down and sort of plan that out. Um, so I didn't to express it too much but I've been racing this week with a broken toe so I think I'll be in a moon boot for a little bit after this so that can heal. I can ride okay but I can't walk at the moment so I'll take a bit of time off for that and then work out what the rest of my season will look like. Yeah that was a backyard cricket injury wasn't it? Yeah yeah that's correct yeah just before uh, the tour so it's lucky that riding it's not too bad it just swells up and hurts a little bit when you're going out everything hurts so it doesn't matter too much. Are you playing backyard cricket with a real cricket ball? No no it was just stubbed my toe it was uh, yeah not the smartest thing to do (laughs) but yeah can't help it. Peel up and get that in. Cheers. Thank you. And finally, um, we're going a bit out of order here, but I really wanted to put this uh, interview at the end, mostly because the sound quality isn't amazing. Um, so listen to it a bit, see what you think, um, see if you can you know, struggle through it, because it is, in fact, some really interesting insight, I think, from Ed Clancy um, of JLT Condor, but more famously of the British um, track team and three gold medals, obviously, on that in, as part of that track team, on what it takes to be a rider who can dedicate himself entirely to something and um, really work on establishing what it will take to win a race. He is he's quite, he's quite an interesting character, and I think for any young cyclists out there, for any old cyclists for that matter, um, it's a really good thing to listen to and get an idea of you know the sort of preparation that goes into really to really you know becoming becoming a winner it's also a good idea to listen to from uh, a media training perspective um there's a there's a lot of young guys out there well a lot of old guys as well who don't give very good interviews and um from a from a media standpoint it's it's a bit disappointing because well to to give a slightly unfair example i mean alex evans um after after the stage, after he'd been, you know, um, up in front of the fans waving, after he'd been next to Esteban Chavez and Ruben Guerrero, the final podium there, he was immediately ushered back to the media and he gave, you know, a pretty bad interview. And that meant that, you know, I couldn't do a piece which was entirely about him and Mobius. It meant that instead I decided to broaden my focus and and talk about young Australian talent rather than just Evans and Mobius. So that sort of thing does you know, it does cost teams and it also um, is the reason that I didn't write, you know, various other articles. Like I wanted to write an article about Mads Pedersen, but he was, you know, quite difficult to interview and didn't exactly give much that was, you know, interesting to, you know, the public or readers at large. So, you know, um, it's something to think about when when you're giving an interview and, yeah, from a media perspective, I mean, we're not, we're not trying to get out there to kill you. I mean, you can be honest, like um, Ed is in his answers, and you know, a bit of a bit of charm here and there goes a long way. So, yeah, listen to Ed Clancy's interview. It's some really good stuff. But if you don't want to, I perfectly understand. And we shall say goodbye here with a final plug for Out of the Rat Race Cycling Apparel. Make sure you check them out at www.com.au. They make some great kit. Okay, see ya. 
first professional ride wing? I did a tour of Korea a few years back. I won a stage in that, so that was a UCI 2.2. Is this a 2.1? 2.1. This is my first 2.1 win for sure, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's no doubt about it. This is the biggest thing I've won on the road, um, for sure. It, it, I guess it's unusual for um, a stage race to, of this caliber to start off with such a short prologue. I guess it suits the track with my physical assets, you know, I'm a bit of a kilo rider for an endurance dude, a bit of a sort of sprint endurance hybrid, works great on the track for team pursuit and things like that, and uh, the Omnium in its old style at least, but um, no, I mean, for sure, this is the biggest thing I've won on the road. You were 10th out of the, off the ramp, and then you had to wait and watch countless others try and fail, you mentioned you tried to stay cool, but you would have been, you surely the butterflies were raging inside. When Edmondson was coming down the last 200 metres, and I know the form he's had, you know, and he's, he's Aussie Nationals recently, I was like, oh, for sure this guy's going to do me just on the last bit. And, um, you know, they're, they're all ace guys, the Aussie team pursuers, and, but to be honest, I was hoping he didn't beat me. <laughs> it's getting um, quite sickening, uh, this English v Australia team pursuit now on the road, Ed, yeah. you're, um, you just did it again. Yeah, I don't know about that. Like I said, I mean, the, 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 the press builds it up a bit, but I think there's, uh, you know, a lot of respect between the Aussies and the Brits, you know, on, on the bikes and the team pursuit and all that, and I, I don't get any great pleasure out of beating those guys. They, oh, really? Uh, no, honest, honestly, yeah, honestly, I think... The only English guy who does it. <laughs> no, no, I really don't. They're, they're nice guys, and they always ask how things are, so it's, um, it's honestly, it's just cool to be racing on the road and to, to be able to sort of compete with those guys, even over just a short prologue is uh, it's really cool for me to be um, up here racing with them so how does it feel mate you're in a leader's yellow jersey what's mm. it going to be like tomorrow oh man I'm absolutely buzzing honestly you know you're kind of used to you know riding with team GB on the track and it's you're almost um, you try and keep it fresh but there's almost that level of expectation to sort of go out there and get world medals and Olympic medals and even win things and uh, you almost become accustomed to that after a decade of doing it but you know, on the road, this is still new to me, and this is this is big, man, for a guy like me, and perhaps as big as it's gonna get. So uh, I'm over the moon, and I can't wait to ride around in my yellow jersey tomorrow. I think everyone here knows what I'm about, and um, no one's gonna expect me to take on Chavez on stage three. So <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy my day in yellow. So you don't get on, you don't uh, get on. Uh on the phone to some bloke back in England and say, look what I've done, I'm coming after you. Some bloke called Wiggins who made a successful transition uh, to road and wore a few yellow jerseys. The thing is like uh, Geraint Thomas and Brad Wiggins and uh, you know, those Team Pursuit boys that went well on the road is that they're much more endurance-based yeah. riders than I've ever been. I mean, I've, uh, I could almost switch the other way and go sort of Team Sprint. Yeah, That's yeah, perhaps yeah. more in my physical capabilities, to be honest, than trying to get around the Tour de France, let alone win the thing. Um, but yeah, let the good times roll. I'm just dead happy to be here. Take us through that course. You mentioned when they shortened it, you were quite, quite excited. What was it like? Yeah, yeah, I remember reading, um, I think it might have been on Cycling News, a bit of a, an article, an article sort of saying, unfortunately, we've had to shorten the course. And I was like, oh, doesn't sound too bad to me. <laughs> um, yeah, my eyes lit up. And then, you know, I spent a, a lot of time thinking about it, looking at it on Google Maps, because I've never done this course before, and trying to suss out the corners and road surface and so on and for a long time I didn't know if we was going to go on the sort of main road behind the back of the boathouse or on the footpath yeah. the pedestrian bit and you know for the last few years it's been on the main road now this year they took us off on the footpath and I only really found that out when we got here today but to be honest I kind of figured it was a good thing because uh, I just broke it down into three parts there was easy times we made off the line 
there's easy time to be made accelerating out of that first left-hander, assuming you don't crash around it. And then I kind of figured with the being moderately technical around the footpath, that as long as you sort of commit and hope for the best, it'd be much of a muchness through there. And then it just come down to a big drag race for the last 500 meters. So I, I, I haven't seen any uh, splits, you know, mid-distance, but I'm, I tried hard to invest in the first two accelerations, first acceleration out of the block, first ex uh, the, the next acceleration out of that left-hander, and then really I was just hanging on um, for the last 500 meters. It felt like I was pedaling in sand, but you know, speaking to a few other guys, it's the um, same story for those guys. So it, it worked out, and um, it was a tense hour, but I'm dead happy. You, uh, you really researched it. You really wanted this. When you knew it was only 1.6, you made it a focus. I haven't even looked at the next four stages. I've just been absolutely obsessed with this, and um, almost in like a, a sort of tracky way. You know, you look at the numbers, you kind of figure like, what can you, what average power can you reckon you can hold over two minutes? And you look at uh, Van Poppel's winning time from last year, and you kind of, right, you sort of figure, well, he hasn't got this turn in. He might be at average a similar sort of speed. Um, did a bit of calculations, worked out about how long it'd take. I, I, I did my research. Um, yeah, I like my numbers. For, for how long? How long did you had you really looked at this as a, and targeted it? Uh, as, as soon as the website released details, I'd look at it, and then you know, as soon as um, the course months. profiles, you know, you can get on Google Earth and have a little look. I couldn't see the pedestrianised bit. Um, but I, I tried my best, and when we came down here a couple of weeks ago for a photo shoot, I spent a long time sort of scouting out the course, even looking at drain covers and things like that, and uh, eyeing up that first straight. And it's like uh, there's a million ways you can like, attack a course like this: just sprint right up to the corner and then slam on last minute, or just sort of ride really hard and then coast up to the corner and save a bit of energy. And I don't know, it's, um, it's worth it though, isn't it? When it comes down to seven tenths of a second. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I did my research and I'm glad. What do you think is realistic for tomorrow? Do you, do you think you can hold it to your There's a lot of strong riders here. Um, if I was a betting man, I'd say probably not, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to try. <laughs> and uh, JLT, they've got a fairly good history in Australia. They're coming here for training camps for yeah. many years now. I mean, uh, yeah. must feel good to you know start off the season. There. Oh, mate, yeah. I mean, I've been in Bendigo for the last three weeks, and most of the team that came out uh, it was, took a week out in New Zealand to do the Cycle Classic there and then came back for a week and me and Graham Briggs, I think he was probably rolled top five in the end, we just stayed in Bendigo for the last three and a half weeks now and just trained throughout and it's been hot and hard and uh, you know it's been a long time, Graham's got family back home and uh, it's been tough you know, we miss home and I, I really respect the Aussie guys that go out to be pro cyclists in Europe because it's not easy being halfway around the world and but when you stood here in your yellow jersey answering questions, it, it kind of it feels like it's been worth it. How long? So you've been out here for three weeks? Uh, yeah, three and a half weeks three already. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be four and a half weeks by the time we get home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just on, you talked about Bendigo JLT on a very somber note. Yeah. yeah. Flashing lights for, for yeah. Jason, and it's this is obviously dedicated to him and his family, without doubt. Yeah, of course. You know, I, 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 I don't know if it's inappropriate of me to, to dedicate the win mm. to Jason because I didn't know him personally. I can only say that, you know, I'm pretty quiet on the social media front and everything, but I keep my ear to the ground and you hear the stories about how strong and brave his family and friends have been and he's quite humbling. Um, I wish Jason was here. Mm.
know, when you, uh, you've had guys like Framie and Brenton on the team last year that kind of had, had ambitions of stepping down into our team to kind of make their way back up the World Tour. And, you know, we know Jason was a talent and we know he'd have done the same and we know he'd have been one of the boys and in, in different circumstances we'd be sitting down tonight and um, yellow jersey or not for me, we'd have been working out a, a plan for the sprint for Jason. So mm. that would have been his role in the team. The lights specifically are not um, just about that, they, they're also just about raising cycle safety in general, mm. to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my thoughts are with his friends and family. I feel a bit like uh, Ferris Bueller at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off at the moment. Go home. You, you've 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 seen it all. There's nothing more. Uh, I hope some people get that reference out there. I uh, just wanted to add there will be you know a change to the podcast coming um, in the next few episodes. It won't be um, quite as many interviews um, and you know bad audio and all that sort of stuff. Uh, we'll endeavour to make it a more listenable experience in the future. Um, I'll be getting you know my mic fixed, so we won't be getting quite as much um, external sound um, impacting on your eardrums. So yeah. Bear that in mind for the future. The podcast will be getting a bit more listenable, though obviously not quite the um, same, you know, world tour level of racing. So, you know, um, trade-offs <laughs> that occur in this business. Hope to catch you back on the next podcast. Cheers. <laughs>